Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at salemfields.com podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement. Wow, it's finally Christmas Eve. You know, it seems like it comes fast, but yet it's, it takes a whole year to get here. And you know, this year, this time of year can so easily turn into an uproar in all the busyness and all the things that we have to do and, and get finished. It can really turn into some bedlam. Have you been on Route 3? Anybody go out on Route 3? Uh, I stay away from it out there, but I heard horror stories about it. And, you know, we just get so wrapped up in everything that we do and all the things that we need to get done. And, you know, our nerves get frayed and there's physical exhaustion and there's emotional tension over unpaid bills and hectic schedules and traffic jams and all of the things that we get caught up in. And how many times over the last couple of days or weeks have you heard yourself, oh, I can only make it through Christmas. And, you know, the bedlam just hits us. And somehow we get caught up in that. So we just need to breathe and relax. There was a kindergarten teacher and she asked her class which Christmas story they'd like to hear. And there was a little boy and he shouted, tell them about a father who saw Santa Claus and got sick. And she was trying to figure out which story that was. She was mystified by that. And she finally figured out it was Twas the Night Before Christmas. And he was remembering that part where the father ran to the window and threw up the sash. (laughs) It's gross. (laughs) Things can get really confusing and we can get caught up in the bedlam around Christmas. And as we hear this story of Jesus and his birth and, you know, already today, I've heard it three times. This morning when we were with our family, we read it before we opened our gifts and this evening with the services here. And, you know, sometimes we can feel like we've heard this story for the hundredth time, that we can become so familiar with this story that we begin to lose sight of the nitty gritty uproar and the bedlam that was surrounding this journey to to Bethlehem. And to truly understand what Christmas means for us in this commercialized 21st century lives, it's important to recognize that Jesus was born into this very human existence, a very secular culture, just like we live in right now. We say, oh, what is our world coming to? Well, it's always pretty much been like this. It was bedlam. The culture was horrible at that time. And Jesus was born into that. The culture was crazy just like ours is today. And you know what? This isn't just another warm and fuzzy Christmas story. I love warm and fuzzy at Christmas time. But this story was not warm and fuzzy, but a story of real life, of real grit, of chaos and bedlam all around, just like ours. Tonight we're going to recap We've been living this throughout the month, and we're going to recap some of the bedlam that Mary and Joseph faced and endured on that very first Christmas. And our world is just that, isn't it? It is bedlam. It is chaos. You know, and every single day we're presented with the unexpected. You know, we could wake up any morning and think the day's going to go one way, and it goes completely different. Um, 
And the unexpected creates chaos. So not only is this world chaos, but then you have chaos on top of chaos when the unexpected hits. Um, you know, the story of Mary and Joseph and giving birth to Jesus is one that's very human. I mean, here you have two people that are just like you and me. And they all of a sudden get thrown into the most unexpected of circumstances, unexpected of situations that I guarantee you they did not plan for. You know, we face unexpected situations every day in our life. But what defines those circumstances, what defines how the outcome when the unexpected hits is our response. You know, sometimes it's the unexpected call of God. And sometimes that comes because we didn't seek God. We went ahead with our own plans and God had different ones. Or sometimes it's just because God's plan hasn't been revealed in our current situation. But whatever it is, there is that unexpected call of God. And as Mary demonstrated, she received an unexpected call of God to give birth to the Messiah. You know, sometimes we get the unexpected call of God and we don't know how to respond. You know, sometimes we, we have a choice whether, you know what, God, I want to live my life my way. I have my plans. I know what I want to achieve. And sometimes that is completely different than what God has, but we have a choice to make. And just as Mary had a choice to make in that situation, was she just going to say, God, I'm not going to do that. That's a little crazy. That's a little too much. Or was she going to just say, you know what, God, whatever your will, let your will be done in my life. And she chose the latter. And we see the result of that. You know, sometimes we experience unexpected pain in our life. Sometimes we get a phone call that we were not expecting at all. News that completely devastates and shatters our world. You know, sometimes we get an unexpected diagnosis. Sometimes we unexpectedly lose someone important in our lives. And it creates this pain. It creates this chaos in Bedlam that we can't even begin to fathom, begin to, to figure out where to pick up the pieces. You know, Joseph received very unexpected news that threw his life into Bedlam, threw his life into pain when he found out that his to-be wife, his to-be virgin wife, was pregnant. So he had to then essentially analyze, hey, my fiancé has just committed adultery. And so he has to sort through the emotions of that, this unexpected pain that he did not ask for, that he did not want. But God intervenes and God tells him, hey, this is my will. It may sound crazy, but it is my will. But that is where Joseph then had the choice. He can either be like, you know what? That's too much. That's too crazy. No, I'm done. I'm just going to go do my thing. You know what? I'm justified here. Or he could have trusted God, even when it didn't make sense. Even when that pain just, he could not understand, but he still stepped out. You know what? I'm going to trust in God. And God wants us to do those same things when we experience unexpected pain. He wants us to run to him and find refuge in him instead of finding refuge in the world. Because that's just going to create more chaos. And then even when we do choose God's will, we find furthermore in the story that even when we're walking in the perfect will of God, we will experience unexpected circumstances. We're not immune to it. Just like Mary and Joseph had to find out, they had to go to Bethlehem with a pregnant Mary. And then once they get to Bethlehem, they don't even have anywhere to stay. And so she ends up having to give birth in a manger. Again, the perfect will of God, unexpected circumstances. They could have complained. They could have just said, this is too much. 
God, I've already been obedient in this, been obedient in that, and now I can't even have this easy time. But God doesn't work like that. God is so much greater than the way our logic and our thinking goes. And they again chose, you know what, God, I trust you. No matter what, I trust your will. Let your will be done in our lives. And that's what God wants from us. When the unexpected hits, we have two options. Succumb to the chaos or find the peace that God offers in the chaos. Because born in that manger is our hope. Born in that manger is our peace. And we have that option. Are we either going to run to the things of this world or are we going to run to the one who overcame it? And in the midst of Bedlam, sometimes the very unexpected brings upon shame or regret. The unexpected things that happen in our lives are the same things that, that, that can bring on those feelings of shame and regret. Both Joseph and Mary both received unexpected news of how Mary was to give birth to God's son. While Mary heard this news originally from, from an angel, it, 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 Joseph had to learn this from, first from Mary. And he had to wrestle with that and think about the shame that was brought upon him and brought upon Mary for, for being pregnant with child. But then it was revealed to him later on in a dream. At first hearing from Mary, Joseph felt the shame that, that Mary had brought upon her, her, herself, upon him, and even her family. Because she would then be seen as a disgrace to the family. You see, shame and regret is found in the bedlam that is all around us. It happens to us all, even in this Christmas season. We, we, can, we can find and we can focus on some of the shames and regrets of our past and not dealing with some of the issues. And we can find that ourselves are entrapped and imprisoned with those things. We get, can get stuck focusing on those past relationships that have been broken, addictions, or that we've been battling or, or we're battling currently with, or the abuse that has been unjustly given to us. It would have been easy for Joseph to focus on the shame that society would have placed on him and Mary and, and this as the community was learning about Mary's pregnancy. Yet Joseph didn't act upon this as, as we might have ex expected him to. See, he was faced with the circumstances. He faced them head on. And then he listened to God as he was, it was a, the plan was revealed in a dream. He, play, he listened to God and he was obedient to God. He listened to God, and then he found that in Bethlehem, born to him and Mary, was the hope of the world. It was the baby who is the Messiah. It was Emmanuel. God is with us. It is Jesus that was lying in the manger that Joseph could see the true healing from any shame or any regrets he might have had on their journey finding Bethlehem. You know, sometimes we have to ask, where does our shame come from? Where, what happens and what causes the shame in our lives? And it comes sometimes from the guilt or the regret, regrets from something that we have done to ourselves or to others, such as uh, abuse or addictions or even broken relationships. It, it comes from the guilt or regret we have, that we have taken on from what others have done to us. You see, Joseph's shame was first in Mary's pregnancy and the embarrassment that she, he would face in being with her child before they could even finalize their marriage. When this happens to us, we, we carry around the this, this, this shame and it, and it brings on these feelings of disgrace and humiliation. And then it, it, it enters into a place of, of scandal where we can we continually try to cover up the truth to try to hide the shame and the regrets that we have in our lives. All this had to be going through Joseph's mind once he heard from Mary about being with child. Yet Joseph experienced something that we all can because he was obedient to God and to God's will. He was surrendered 
to what God's plan was. So if you're here tonight and you're feeling those, those feelings of shame and regret, you too can experience the freedom that Joseph felt when he saw Jesus laying in the manger. By first admitting, admitting to that things that we feel shameful about and confront them head on, even though that might cause pain, become, a, become the victor rather than the victim of those, those past things, those past regrets, that shame, and surrender it all. That which is keeping us from experiencing life to the fullest. See, what do we do when we have that shame and that regret? We, we, get, we get rid of it. We feel the freedom. The freedom, as long as we obey God and admit to him our shame, allow ourselves to feel the pain as, we com- as he will find comfort and peace through those times and healing. And then when we finally surrender it all, we lay it down, we lay it all down, this is where healing and freedom will come, take place. After all, this is why God came to be with us as a man. And it all started with the birth of Jesus, who was found lying in the manger. So not only was this unexpected, and not only did they have to deal with guilt and shame, but this is, these are two people that could have easily said, this is not fair. The circumstances that were surrounding this journey to Bethlehem was just almost horrendous. If two people had reason to complain or get on Facebook and rant and rave, (laughs) it was Mary and Joseph. Because this situation was tough. There was bedlam. And, uh, you know, I, I said I love warm and fuzzy at Christmas, but this story is not warm and fuzzy because life was hard. Think of Mary. As we've said, she was a teenager. She was pregnant with some pretty unbelievable explanations for her condition. Never with a man and a virgin. Yeah, right, the people around her must have said. Yeah, right. She must have wondered when the angel said to her, don't be afraid. What is that? Don't be afraid in the middle of all of this. When, when the angel said, you are highly favored by God and you're going to give birth to God's son. What? She didn't even get to choose his name. (laughs) The angel said, you will call him Jesus. That's his name. Her world was turned upside down. Her fiance was going to abandon her quietly, of course. And in the midst of morning sickness and swollen ankles and stiff muscles and discomfort, She's given these government orders that she's got to climb on a donkey and go 90 miles, 10 days in rough terrain to a place to pay her taxes. Now she's pregnant, nine months. Are you kidding me? This is unfair. And then it goes from bad to worse. She gets to Bethlehem and she's forced to bed down in a dirty, stinky, dingy animal stall. And there... She goes into painful labor. No epidurals there. (laughs) Gabriel didn't mention all of this. She wasn't prepared for this. You know, when you're pregnant with God's child and you're highly favored, don't you think you could get the corner sweet in the end? It just seems most likely that you could do that. But there were no visits from doting mom and dad or grandparents say, oh, look at that baby. Just a bunch of stinky, mangy shepherds smelling of cheap wine and body odor. 
in a stable with slobbering cows and smelly goats and dumb sheep and all of that stuff that animals do in a stall. It was gross. So how did Mary handle this? You've heard. This was injustice, it seemed. And those kinds of things happen in our life. And after these nine months, she didn't go off on Joseph. I'm sorry, bud. <laughs> when life has been unfair, I've done that. I look at Mary and she didn't whine or complain or talk about what a victim she was or go to her best friend and just tell them and then they validate. Say, yeah, yeah. No, she didn't do that. You know what the Bible says? It says, and I'm learning this just in the last couple of years, I'm learning how to do this. It takes a lifetime sometimes. She kept all of these things in her heart and she pondered them because she was listening to God. She was communing with him. And Joseph, it couldn't be more unfair for him. He's told that his virgin bride-to-be is pregnant. That is embarrassing. But instead of a knee-jerk reaction that oftentimes when things that happen to us that are very unfair, instead of just responding like that to his feelings, in the midst of that bedlam, he chose to humbly accept Mary as his wife. And he chose to submit to those government orders that were given and go pay his taxes. You know, that's just not right. He had to close down his wood shop, leave his home, and expose the woman that he loved to horrible conditions. He could have easily succumbed to those feelings of feeling like a failure. And men, I know that you struggle a lot of times with feeling like a failure. He didn't give in to that and give up. This was no way to start a marriage and a family. So how did Joseph deal with it? Well, nowhere in the Bible does it say that he was bitter or angry. He didn't even speak. We don't even hear his words in the Bible. He didn't rant and rave about how unfair life was. He didn't criticize God and say, God, why have you done this to me? A rail against Caesar Augustus for his unfair degree. Here's what I love. They both quietly focused on God and what he was doing in the midst of everything that they didn't understand, everything that seemed unfair. Oh, I want to be like Mary and Joseph. Joseph, a descendant of a king, King David, he could have demanded anything that he wanted. Mary could have bragged about carrying the promised Messiah, demanding that corner suite in the end. She didn't. They simply chose to accept that life's not fair. Can we accept that? Life is not fair, and it doesn't always work out in a pretty picture. God's favor doesn't make life fair. It doesn't guarantee success or a problem-free life. His blessing on Mary and Joseph in, to honor them in becoming the mother and the earthly father of the Messiah, well, that actually led to a whole lot more pain. You remember what happened 33 years later for Mary? She sat at the foot of the cross, and she watched her innocent child sacrificed and crucified on a cross. It didn't get easier for Mary. Yet in the midst of that bedlam of his birth, God sent angels and shepherds to celebrate. He sent wise men to take care of their travel expenses. And through them, through all of that pain, they didn't pray it away. Through all of that pain, there was this magnificent purpose. 
in what God was doing. That's our God. Because he was sending the Christ child for you and me here today, some 2,000 years later, and for all of the world. The hope of the world, our hope, salvation for us, redemption and restoration. You know what? I'm sure that Mary and Joseph looked into the eyes of that little baby. And when they did, that little baby was in a feeding box with a bunch of slobber from a bunch of sloppy animals. They looked into the eyes of the Savior of the world. They wouldn't trade places with anyone. And they'd do it all over again for the blessing of God on their lives. See, maybe it seems like you've dealt with some things in your life that are really, really unfair, and they probably were. And your life might be filled with bedlam. But you know what? Maybe God's trying to birth something in his purpose in you. Just like Mary and Joseph, it could be beyond anything that you can imagine. Just like Mary and Joseph, we get to choose what will we do in the midst of our bedlam? Well, so there's no doubt that dealing with the unexpected, dealing with shame and guilt, and having to deal with the unfair situation they were placed in, it probably left Mary and Joseph pretty lonely. Lonely, and you know, not knowing where to go, and not knowing where to turn, and facing with the bedlam, faced with the bedlam, of loneliness. A number of years ago, somewhere in England, a schoolboy wrote, uh, wrote these words in an essay, why are so many twins born into the world? He said, I believe it's because little children are afraid of entering into the world alone. You know, the world can be a lonely place at times. It can be lonely and overwhelming, especially at Christmas. And that loneliness can create all kinds of bedlam in our lives. You know, it can create a physical uh, bedlam in our lives, strokes and heart attacks and all types of physical things can happen in our life. It can also create spiritual bedlam in our lives as well as we begin to isolate ourselves from people and from God. And in the midst of that bedlam, it can cause us to miss the miracle of Bethlehem. You know, unless you haven't lived very long, chances are that you can easily remember at least one lonely Christmas. I think back a few years when we uh, moved to Woodbridge and we got the call that Gay's mom was desperately ill and she eventually passed and Christmas time came and it was time to, uh, to go to my mother's, uh, my parents. We always go on Christmas Eve and we would always spend the night with Gay's parents and, and, uh, on Christmas Eve night, and this was the first Christmas Eve that we were not going to be able to spend the night with her, so we decided to get a hotel room. That's a wrong thing to do on Christmas Eve. Had a little Christmas tree that someone gave us, and we brought that along and put it up, and I'll never forget the lonely sobs that Gay was crying in the bed as we tried to enjoy that Christmas Eve and the loneliness that we felt. You know, so we all have stories of loneliness at Christmas, but, but you know, loneliness at Christmas was experienced long before this Christmas Eve night. I can hardly fathom the bedlam of, that Mary and Joseph experienced in their lives on that Christmas morn. They experienced the loneliness 
that many of you and many of us face and experience at times. You know, no doubt, all of us have experienced times like Mary and Joseph, times of the unexpected, and times of shame and guilt and unfairness. No doubt, all of us have experienced times like Mary and Joseph when you feel when when you when you feel like them uh, when they felt hung out to dry, left hanging on a limb, placed on a black black uh, back burner, talked about, laughed at, left in the shadows, abandoned, deserted, alone. You know, in times like that, there's something far beyond human comfort that we need in times of those deep feelings of loneliness. And that something is understanding that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. You see, his presence in our lives tells us that loneliness isn't the entire story of our lives. It tells us that there's so much more than what we can see when we're lonely. That reality goes deeper than the surface of pain or the momentary happiness under the Christmas tree. Christ has come to us right where we are in the midst of our bedlam, just as we are. The babe of Bethlehem enters into the bedlam of our loneliness. He comes to share our sorrows and to journey with us through our loneliness with his healing presence. He is with us. The miracle of Christmas is that Jesus came to make his home in us, and he invites us to make our home in him. And knowing and believing that truth can change everything in our lives. All the lonely place in our heart may not change or go away, but how we journey through it, those times of loneliness, can be transformed. The tiny baby Jesus came quietly into the world to redeem it and to reveal us to us a truer, deeper reality of life. And that is God is with us. So wherever you are, no matter how alone you feel right now, make room in your heart tonight for him to come. Because this is why he came, to be with you, to be with me. You know, according to the traditional Christmas carol, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. At least it's supposed to be that way. But sadly, for many people, Christmas is the loneliest time of the year. You know, many look around and see others laughing and hugging and kissing and singing and opening gifts, and it only reinforces your loneliness and your emptiness. You know, what's, what's so ironic about that and so sad at the same time is that Christmas is about the healing of our loneliness. You see, Isaiah foretold us 700 years before the birth of Christ. He said, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And if God is with us, if God is truly with us, we can never be, ever be lonely again. But far more people here tonight are lonely than what we can imagine. Studies say that 40% of people here tonight in America are lonely. 
Let me tell you who the answer is to our loneliness. You see, our loneliness is not going to be solved by a new job or, or more money in the bank or more Christmas gifts under the tree or a new wife or a new husband. Our loneliness is going to be solved by a person, a man, and his name is Jesus. And in the, in, in the first place, Jesus understands your loneliness. He knows how you feel. Isaiah 53 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. In John 1.11, the Bible says, He came to His people, and even His people, His own people, rejected Him. You see, Jesus lived a life of loneliness, and He died alone. Which means this. You and I, we are precious to Him. Had there not been one more person on earth, he would have died for you alone. Through Jesus Christ, you and I can have significance, and we can find our real identity in Christ. We can find our purpose in Christ. He knows the very hairs on your head. And he wants to be in relationship with you. You see, he knows, he cares, he understands, and he's always there. You may be lonely tonight, but let me promise you something. You are never alone. You are never alone. He promised never to leave us, nor forsake us. And if no one else understands, he does. If everyone else betrays you, he will not. When everybody else walks out on you, Jesus walks in. And when you, go to Beth when you get to Bethlehem, he alone will meet you. And he will meet the needs that you have. Jesus alone is our answer to loneliness. So in closing tonight, I, I just want to remind you of the good news of Christmas. God meets us where we are and sticks with us closer than a brother. And he wants to break into the bedlam of life's unexpected moments. He wants to break into our shame and our regret from the past. He wants to break into the unfair situations that we face in life. And he wants to walk right into our loneliness through the birth of a tiny, tiny baby in Bethlehem. God wrapped himself in human flesh and came down from heaven to earth. And he wrapped himself in the body of a tiny little baby boy in a stable in a little town in Bethlehem in a forgotten corner of the Roman Empire called Judea. And that God has for you and me, all that God has for you and me is wrapped up in Jesus Christ and his son. No matter what we find under the Christmas tree in the morning, no matter the difficulties we face or the decisions we must make or how rough and lonely life can get, no matter the bedlam that you may be facing tonight, in the end, God leads us back to that simple one-word answer, Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. You see, your bedlam came, can become your Bethlehem. The point of everything we've talked about over the last four weeks and here tonight is this. Christmas happened right in the midst of bedlam. Christmas happened right in the midst of bedlam. And so we don't have to choose between Bethlehem and Bedlam. 
They go together. You see, they always have, from the very beginning, with Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem in a stable. So once again, on Christmas Eve, God wants to break through the bedlam in our lives through Jesus Christ. So I'll close with this one final thought. This one final thought, this one final statement, it's why we do what we do at Salem Fields Community Church. This is why we exist. This is why we built this building. This is why we had this service tonight. And this is why we have services every weekend here at Salem Fields Community Church. And if you don't have a church, we want you to come back to this church. And this is why. Because this is our passion. In one final statement, our hope, our hope for you tonight and every time we have services here in this building is that you'll find the freedom, the peace, the faith, the hope, and the love of Christmas in the midst of the bedlam of our lives, in the midst of the heartbreak and the loneliness and the unexpected and the unfairness that you'll find the love of Christmas right in the midst of Bedlam, in the Bedlam that you may be facing in your life right now, and that before you leave tonight, you will discover the joy and the amazing grace and peace and the awesome miracle of Bethlehem. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for this gathering tonight. Lord, we're grateful for those who have come tonight that, Father, we thank you for the families, those who may come alone, and the children, the students, those who are watching online tonight. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray for every person here tonight that may be facing or walking through the unexpected or dealing with shame or guilt or the they're in an unfair place in life. And really, Lord, it's left them lonely. I pray, Lord, for every person that you will wrap your loving arms of love and care around them. And I pray, Lord, that as we finish here tonight, that, Lord, the peace of God would fill our hearts. Lord, I pray tonight for those that maybe know God, but really, or know about God, but really don't know you, God that they'll discover a personal relationship with you right now as we close. So with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed this morning, I just want to speak to you just for a moment, if that's you, that if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I mean, you know about God, but you don't know him. Do you know that you can know him personally? You can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you tonight, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, where you don't sense his presence and you don't have that intimacy with him and you know that you just go through life and really maybe didn't even realize you could have a relationship with him. Or maybe you've been away from God and you want to come home tonight. I offer you Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. God for us. So if you don't know Christ tonight, will you pray this simple prayer with me? It's not the prayer that will save you. It's the faith that you pray with and the, and the faith that you pray in the Savior that you pray to. So would you pray this prayer with me? 
You can pray out loud. You don't have to. You can pray under your breath. Just pray sincerely and by faith. Pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Just pray that. I believe that you died on a cross so that I could be forgiven of all of my sins. And right now, Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Savior. In the midst of my bedlam, you don't have to pray this, but Lord, I'm praying for them. In the midst of the bedlam that people are facing tonight, Lord, that you will move right in. But you invite Jesus into your life to be your Savior right now. It's the greatest gift that you'll ever receive. You won't find it under the tree in the morning, but you can find it right here in the presence of Jesus tonight. And so you received that gift. When you invited Jesus into your life, he forgave you of your sins. He moved right in. He became your Savior. And he gave you the greatest gift that you could ever have. So you just thank him. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you tonight, Lord. That you live in my heart. So all our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed. Just one moment. We're going to close out a little special time here. But with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer with me tonight, you know, you, you need to make witness. You need to you need to let someone know. And I'm going to be an easy person for you to let know tonight, okay? With all of your heads bowed and all of your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer with me tonight and you received Christ by faith, would you just slip up your hand and say, I prayed that prayer, and you can put it right back down. Anybody like that tonight? Yes, I see your hands. Yes, I see your hands. I see your hands. Hands, yes. Yes, I see your hands, ma'am. Anyone else? Yes, in the back. I see the child. Anyone else, just slip your hand up and say, yep, I prayed that prayer with you, buddy. And I believe that Jesus Christ lives in my heart. Would you slip your hand up and put it right back down one more time? Anybody? Thank you. I see your hand. Glad I did it one more time. Maybe I should do it one more time. Yep, all the way in the back. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Anyone else? Well, if you prayed that prayer with me tonight, you need a little help to understand what happened in your life. If you'll come out tonight after the service and come to the bookstore, I would like to speak to you and give you a little gift that will help you know what God did in your life tonight so that you can understand more clearly, okay? Thank you, Father, for those who raised their hand tonight. It's Christmas. In the midst of Bethlehem, Lord, in Bethlehem, Lord, you showed up. And we thank you for that. Thank you for those who have given their life to you tonight. In Jesus' name. If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.